This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's this day, every day, not good days and bad days. This day, every day, this is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Hal Brady, and I'm so glad you've joined me, as again we seek to turn this studio into a sanctuary to worship the living God of this universe. Before I begin tonight, I'd like to call your attention to our website, HalBradyMinistries.com. On that website, you'll find some previous sermons. You'll also find a daily devotion on Facebook, and we're also on Twitter. I hope as you live your regular routine of life that you'll check that website from time to time, and we'll be glad. Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 7. Would you hear, please, God's word? Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Not long ago, as I listened to one of my favorite songs, Put a Little Love in Your Heart, I sensed something very tragic. In a day of remarkable human achievements and unbelievable scientific feats, we must still sing together, Put a Little Love in Your Heart. As another has observed, our problem today is not just that of a generation gap or intense racial division or polarization between conservative and liberal. Our problem today is one of human separation. In other words, we tend to put ourselves in small containers and we allow other people to do the same. And the first thing you know, love gets lost in the process. As Dionne Warwick reminded us in her song, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the one thing that's just too little of. The writer of 1 John was concerned about a love fatigue that he saw developing in the world. But he was even more concerned about the possibility of a love fatigue that was developing in the community of faith. The writer wants the people of God to know that God wants them to love and love and love and keep on loving, always continuing to love. I like the story of the couple who was sharing their 40th wedding anniversary. They were sitting in a corner table, it was a nice evening. All of a sudden, the wife raised her champagne glass, and she said, in spite of everything, that's it. That's how the writer of John is suggesting that we love God and that we love others. We keep on doing it in spite of everything. So how is that possible? There are some clues in our text. First of all, there is the motivation of love. Love is of God. Better still, love is from our relationship with God. We love because God first loved us. We're told that God sent his son into the world that we might live through him. So Jesus came into the world to take away whatever it is that spoils our relationship with God. He came to clear up that relationship and to enable us to love again. Do you know the truth of the matter is we cannot love on our own. We do not have the strength or the power or the will to love others and to keep on loving them regardless. There was a minister that was talking to one of his people in the church. She was on a committee, and he announced that the committee would meet in the home of another woman that was on the committee. But this first person said to the minister, after what she did, I'll never set foot in her house as long as I live. The minister looked at her and said, well, how long have you been a member of this church? She said, 27 years. And the minister began to name the other clergy members who had been in that church, and he said, you know, all of them are capable preachers of the gospel. And then he said, you mean to tell me that you've been in this church for 27 years, and you sat in here as Christ was proclaimed, and you can't set foot in another woman's house? Later he said, what have you heard in church? What have you heard in church? So here we are. We look at Dr. Stanley Alwaz who is a professor of ethics at Duke University. He said that when he marries a couple, he gives them an envelope. But he tells them, do not open this envelope in the days ahead, or you won't understand what it means. He said, only open the envelope later when your marriage is having some kind of difficulty. But he said, open it then. Do you know what he wrote on the card? He wrote something along the fact that everybody marries the wrong person. Everybody marries the wrong person. 
And then here was a minister preaching along, and he said there was only one perfect person who ever lived. He was interrupted by a person in the pew who said, no, two, Jesus and my wife's first husband. Well, the point I'm trying to make is how difficult it is to love on our own. It's difficult to do this. John helps us in the epistle. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. Jürgen Moltmann adds, Our capacity to love is always born out of the experience of being loved. Perhaps William Barclay helps us here. He says there was a man who had lived a very degenerate life. He lived alone. He had succumbed to temptation. He had messed up everything in life, and he was living a very degenerate life. But he said he happened to have a friend, and this friend of a person of lovely and loving nature, and this friend rescued this man from his degeneracy. So it was wonderful. He changed because of his friend. But then William Barclay said, it's very important that this man maintain contact with his friend because if he loses contact with his friend, he'll go back to his life of degeneracy. So the question is, how do we love other people? We have to maintain contact with our source. It's so very vital that we maintain contact with the source of our love. If we lose that contact, then we'll fall back to our former state. So how do we love one another? We maintain contact with the source of that love. Now, I don't know about you, but I enjoy romantic songs. For instance, one of them is Ira Gershwin's song that has to do with let us love, let us love. But what he said in that song was, the title of that song is not let us love or our love is here to stay. The title of that song is simply love is here to stay. Love is here to stay. So why do I have to remind you of that? Because he didn't like it when people talked about his song as our love is here to stay. He wanted it to be love is here to stay. Another reason is, do you think he understood that romanticism, that kind of love, can only go so far? If we want to keep on loving, we have to maintain contact with the source of that love. And so that's what I'm trying to say. Love is of God. Love comes from our relationship with God. And that is critically important for us to understand. And then secondly, there is the madness of love. The madness of love. The Greeks had four terms that defined what they meant by love. The first word was storga, which means natural affection. The second was eros, which means sexual attraction. Then there was philia, which means friendship. Then there was agape love, which means unconditional and unmerited love. Agape love. Whenever the Bible speaks of God's love, whenever the Bible speaks of our love for God or our love for others, it's always agape love, unmerited, unconditional love. Listen to the way John puts it in our text. This is verses 9 and 10. Listen to these verses. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and has sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But most of the love we come in contact with today is conditional love. It has something to do with how we look, how we produce, what we can do. We have to prove ourselves to come into this acceptance. Now, when we see Jesus Christ, his death and his life, his 
crucifixion and resurrection, suddenly we begin to understand that with God, we don't have to prove ourselves. God is love. God accepts us the way we are. We commit sin, sure. We have failures and shortcomings. No question about it. But God still accepts us and owns us and regards us as his children. He does not end our relationship because of that. There's a tribe in Africa that has a wonderful way of dealing with people who've committed a crime. This person has committed a crime, done something unjust, or so forth. What they do in this village is they put him out in the center of the village all by himself. Work ceases. All the men, women, children, and young people gather around in a circle around this person who committed the crime. But they don't give him one critical word. All they do is say everything positive they know about him. Everybody mentions a positive word. And then these people welcome him back to the community life, forgive him, and accept him. Isn't that the way God does with us? God accepts us in spite of ourselves. God says to us, you're created in my image. You're died for by Christ. Consequently, cannot you accept your brother in the way that I have accepted you? No one treated Abraham Lincoln like Stanton did. Stanton accused him of being a low, cunning soul, the original guerrilla. Abraham Lincoln was always kind to Stanton. As a matter of fact, he made him his war minister because he was qualified for the job. Things went along. Lincoln never said anything bad. But then came the assassin's bullet that night in Ford's Theater. As they were taking the body of the president into the room next door, Stanton happened to be standing in there, that same Stanton. He was looking at the rugged face of Abraham Lincoln, and what he said was, there has never been a better ruler of humankind than Abraham Lincoln. You see, agape love had won the day. Agape love had won the day. So, John doesn't say to us, I want you to learn to love. He knows we're suffering love fatigue. He doesn't want to say, learn to love, learn to love, learn to love. He simply says, I want you to look at Jesus Christ. Focus on how God unconditionally gave Christ for us. And when you look at how God unconditionally gave Christ to us, you'll see how we're supposed to unconditionally accept other people in our own lives. You see, that's the madness of love. It's agape love. It's unmerited, unconditional love. And then thirdly, there's another thing extremely important. There is the mission of love. The mission of love. Listen to the way John puts it. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. When Jesus was asked about the greatest commandment, what did he say? He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Then he said, there's a second commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul came along and he was speaking to the Colossians. And he said, clothe yourselves in love. What he meant was, put on love, dress up love. Clothe yourselves with love. Put on love. Now, someone says that he's a very ordinary, describing a person, but he's ordinary by choice. That's a half-alive person. Can you think of a more demeaning way to describe a person? He's ordinary, but he's ordinary by choice. Let me tell you this. God does not create any ordinary people. He does not create ordinary people. He creates us as unique and each one of us as a masterpiece of his creation. Nothing ordinary about it. God sent Jesus into the world to show us what extraordinary living is all about. Extraordinary living is simply extraordinary loving where we receive and communicate God's love. As God's people, we're supposed to live on the edge of compassion. 
As God's people, we're supposed to be proactive, not reactive. As God's people, we're supposed to initiate God's love. As God's people, we're supposed to be nonviolent in our actions. We're supposed to accept and love other people. When Martin Luther King's home was bombed in 1956 in Montgomery, Alabama, a number of people showed up at that scene with weapons. It was a natural response. Martin Luther King Jr. at age 26 already had a vision of looking at other people, not in the natural way. He said to these men, go home and take your weapons with you and put them in the safety of your closet. He said, if we simply follow the old law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we'll wind up with a nation that's blind and toothless. He said, we are the authors of a better way. We're supposed to be involved in doing something better than it's been done before. Now, Pope Francis has been talking about a commitment to peace. I want you to listen to what he says about this. This is very important. Peace is the responsibility of everyone to pray for peace, to work for peace. In the world and society, there is little peace because dialogue is missing. We find it difficult to go beyond the narrow horizon of our interest in order to open ourselves to a true and sincere comparison. Peace requires a persistent, patient, strong, intelligent dialogue by which nothing is lost. Dialogue can overcome war. Dialogue can bring people of different generations who often ignore one another to live together. It makes citizens of different ethnic backgrounds and of different beliefs coexist. Dialogue is the way of peace. Dialogue is the way of compassion. We people of God have to be in dialogue. That's what he's talking about as the mission of love. There was a fellow who is the, his name is Jim Wallace, who is the CEO and president of Sojourner Magazine. He said when he was growing up, his mother gave us children, he said, two words of advice. She said, if you find somebody out there on the playground that's not playing with anybody, she said, you play with that person. She said, if you find a bully on the playground, then you be the first one to stand up against the bully. Jim Wallace said that's been sound advice, and he often hears his mother speaking to him as he goes about his daily life. Way back there in the Los Angeles riots, there's an amazing story that happened. There was rioting going on, and this Hispanic, his name was Fidel Lopez. He was yanked out of his truck. He was thrown to the ground. He was beaten, hit with bottles. He was kicked until he was almost unconscious. The riot was on. People were watching. Other people were just really working him over. About that time, a minister, an African-American minister named Benny Newton showed up. He got out of his car. He ran over and threw himself on top of Fidel Lopez, and he said, stop it. He said, if you're going to kill him, you're going to kill me. That minister picked up that young fellow, put him in his own car, drove him to the hospital. Later on, he asked his church to take up an offering. They took up an offering and raised $3,000. It was the $3,000 that Lopez had lost to the rioters. A few days later, these two people met up. And Lopez said, how can I thank you enough? You saved my life. But why did you do it? Why did you do it? Newton said, because I am a Christian. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace and the Prince of Love. That is the mission of love. And then there is the means of love, the means of love. There was a prominent psychiatrist who said that love has all kinds of powers, but he said that the worst word 
the greatest word of human tragedy is the word unloved. When you feel unloved, that is devastating and very destructive. But he also said that love has the power to cure both those who give it and those who receive it. And he's absolutely right. In one of the Peanuts cartoons, Charlie Brown receives a phone call from an unexpected admirer, a secret admirer. When he answers the telephone, she says, Charlie Brown, this is your secret admirer. She says, you're marvelous, darling, and just handsome. She said, I'm going off to camp now for a week. And she said, I'm going to miss you very much. She said, I'm going to think of you the whole time. She said, I'll miss seeing your handsome face. And when I come back, I'll get right back to you. She said, I love you. Charlie Brown stood there after she had hung up. He stood there with a grin on his face. And Lana said, who was that? Was that important? And he said, I don't really know who it was, said Charlie Brown, but I think it was the right call. It was the right call. Whenever you're involved in loving somebody else, it's always the right call. I want to mention to you just the means of love, and I'll be finished. These are just some of them, certainly not all of them. Love is a test set of the will more than a feeling. Love is hosting more than being a guest. Love is action more than thinking. Love is listening more than talking. Love is forgiveness more than rights. Love is community more than privatism. Love is justice more than peace. Love is individual more than mass. And love is intentional more than accidental. Listen to me, and I'm finished. The only monument any of us are going to leave is the touch we leave upon another's life. And that's usually the way we love other people. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this lesson, this so very, very important lesson. We know that you loved us enough to send your son, and because you loved us, we are able to love. So help us, O oh God, to love you unconditionally, and help us to love others unconditionally. And we pray, O oh God, for the world. We pray for peace. We pray for guidance for leaders who are interested in loving more than killing. And we ask, O oh God, your blessing upon all those in leadership. Guide them and direct them, and we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory. Thank you for these people who are observing this program tonight and listening to it. Bless them and make them a blessing. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for joining with me tonight in this ministry, and I trust that you have received a blessing from the Word and the music. And I hope that you'll invite others to join you on these Thursday nights. Good night and have a great evening.
Thou forsake. 